And I'll just pull up my little noty boys. Hello and welcome ladies and gentlemen to the Denalysis Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host Dan and as always I'm joined by Natalie and we're here to look back on FPL Game Week 16. A week in which I would personally like to echo Rafa Benitez's post-match sentiment that we need the VAR. Uh, also featuring a return to form for last season's top scorer, right on cue as Mo Salah find himself the make-weight in many teams for the game's second most expensive player. It's only Harry Kane, the unbenchable. And it's also <laughs> Cup Qualification Week, which I'm Woo-hoo! very, very excited about. If you finish in the first uh, 4.2 million, uh, or the, the top 4.2 million scorers for the game week, then you will qualify. So that's that's very exciting. I love the Knockout Cup. One of my favourite things, personally. Um, okay, Natalie, how did your team do this week? I, I saw you had a... A pretty banging score. I do have quite a good score. Um, I don't have my team up because obviously that would be too organised yeah. uh, for this podcast. You're almost definitely going to finish in that top 4.2 yeah. million. It'd take one hell of a turnaround. <laughs> it would, thank God, because I was extremely concerned going into this game week that uh, I wouldn't make the cup. And I thought that'll be quite embarrassing, won't it? Yeah. Um, but no, I reckon I've made it with absolutely no help from Diop, Laporte, Fraser or Mitrovic. But everyone else, yeah, had a quite a nice start. Well, and Sterling didn't either, but you can't really be mad at Sterling, can you? This week, yeah, he had a tough game. I almost captained him, but I was really? like, nah, don't, don't do it, Dan. Don't be silly. I think it was just because I knew that pretty much everyone was going to captain Aubameyang. Okay. And I thought, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take it away from my my main man. Mm. There's no way I'm doing it. Uh, it was just too risky, and I was glad I didn't in the end, because I'm back up to 57 points uh, above the, the 50 mark again, which is good, because obviously last week I had a mare, and I dropped below that for the first time this season. So, yeah, good times, really. What's interesting, actually, um, and I was thinking about just now, because I can't remember what his actual name is. I'm going to call him KGFPL. He was like, I didn't make any transfers this week, and he's gone from 77 points last game week to 34 this game week. And I was thinking, like, I've had the same problem. Problem. Where, like, last year, I could go, like, sometimes two or, like, two or three game weeks without really making a transfer that mattered. Hmm. But this year, it seems like if you go a week without making a transfer, like the same t- the same team won't carry over points wise hmm. for multiple game weeks. Like it just there doesn't seem to be that kind of consistency from enough players. Yeah, it's really strange. Yeah, it's, uh, particularly this week. Like I heard a lot of talk about tripling up on City, and in theory that was a great idea, and especially when you consider how Chelsea did against Spurs. Mm. Uh, and then City go and lose 2-0, and you're just left scratching your head like, oh, okay, maybe not. So I do think that is, that's kind of why having a backbone of like three or four like really good players is so essential this year, really. Like you can't, I, I think Wilson is the only, you know, one of the only players who's been ridiculously consistent this season. Even Salah, I think this was his first, double-digit score of the entire season. So, yeah, I know what you mean. It is kind of kind of strange how, how things seem to change week to week and no one particular format seems to be, uh, like, a, a standout. Mm. But uh, I guess Salah is a, a natural place to start, seeing as he returned 21 points with a hat-trick and all three bonus points. Um, yeah, really, really amazing performance from him. He looked like the Salah of last season again. And... I would say they have a pretty okay run-in for the next three. And uh, we did speak on Wednesday's podcast, actually, a little bit about him. And I was saying I was starting to get that feeling of maybe your money could be spent slightly better. And then right on cue, he scored a hat-trick. So I'm completely off of that thought now. Yeah. Oh, what did you think? He was. I thought he was really, really brilliant in this game. I'm pleased. I'm pleased for him. And I'm pleased for everyone who stuck with him hmm. this whole time. It was perfect timing as well, wasn't it? Because obviously last week, Kane had his, what, was it two goals on assist or was it one goal on assist? I can't remember. I tried to Whatever it him. was. Yeah. Whatever it was when Spurs beat uh, Southampton in the midweek fixture. Uh, so that was, you know, we all think of Kane and we think he's never going to drop to the bench because typically he never does. 
Uh, but Lucas Moura actually played in his place up front instead this week. And with a perfect response, Salah went on and outscored Harry Kane both this week and for um, and did even better than Kane did in the midweek. So I think this is proof that he's still probably the best player in the game that you can have. Uh, there is maybe a question mark over the next few fixtures they have. But at the same time, I think that Bournemouth was a bit of a question mark. If you look at how they've played and how they've played against the big teams this season, they haven't given up a lot of chances. The whole first half, um, I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to pan mm. out. What if this ends nil-nil? That'd be annoying, wouldn't it? Yeah. But um, it didn't, so... Yeah, and it did feel actually like Bournemouth were very much in the game. It didn't feel like it was one of those games where Salah had, you know, seven, eight, nine chances and yeah. it was like, oh, he's going to get his hat-trick. It was actually yeah. just every time he got his chance, he was just so clinical and so good. Uh, particularly the the second goal where uh, I think it was Steve Cook who had a nightmare of a day, just tried to like rake the back of his leg and uh, yeah. Salah just stayed on his feet like it ain't no thing. I was surprised he didn't get booked for that, Steve Cook. Because uh, that was like so cynical. No, he didn't, he didn't get, get a booking. Book oh. He didn't get a book in the entire game. I, no. I looked this up because I was like, I didn't see the referee give him a card. And I thought that has to be a booking. It's so blatant. And uh, yeah, he got away with it. But Salah had the last laugh, obviously, screwing him over again in his uh, third goal where he just completely bullied him off the ball. Yeah, this, this was just Salah at his brilliant best. It's just evidence again as to why he's a player you need in your team. Um, they play Man United at the weekend. It's a big game for, for Liverpool and it's kind of the perfect time for them to hit form because Man United, as poor as as they've been lately, they always seem to get themselves motivated for these big games. And it is at Anfield, so probably not a captain option this weekend, but you never know, really, Like when you consider the way that Man United have defended. After that, they face Wolves and Newcastle. And then after that, it's Arsenal and Man City. So it's a, a little bit of a mixed bag, but definitely plenty of opportunities there. Bournemouth were obviously without their main man, Callum Wilson. Mm. And it seems to me that he's got a hamstring strain. I was just looking up the the typical sort of prognosis for that. And the if it's like a, a fairly uh, fairly light injury, yeah, then it could be one to three weeks out. Okay. But if it's a slightly more serious strain, then it could be up to eight weeks. So with that one, I'd advise just listening out to the press conferences. Yeah. But I do think this potentially affects how good Bournemouth will be because he is obviously him and Fraser, like those two have been the main men this season and a lot of times linking up between each other for, for their goals. Uh, the midweek game obviously being testament to that with each of them assisting the other. I would have some question marks about that. I only have Brooks at the moment. Uh, but yeah, I thought they did okay in this game, but up next they have Wolves, Brighton, Spurs, Man United and Watford. Yeah, I just get the impression he's so important to them because he's been he's been the guy who seems to know where to stand in order to, to score the goals. Mm. And that seems to have brought out the best in Fraser in particular, uh, with a lot of his goals coming from either set pieces or for, from crosses. So... I do wonder if that makes them a little bit less of a threat in attack, but also it's one of those where we just got to have to keep an eye on the press conferences because he could be back next week. Uh, there's There doesn't seem to be any definitive information out there, just speculation. So I'd certainly hold for now if you have him. I mean, he has been arguably the best value player in the game this season, considering he started at, what, six million? Now he's up to seven. No. Yeah, I checked this the other day and I was really shocked. Because I was like, wow. I would still buy him for seven. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't uh, even seem like a lot of money. That doesn't yeah. seem like an extortionate amount at all. Yeah, and it goes back to the discussions we had before. Like, Wilson, in previous years, he'd had one good week and then he'd just go on a... He'd either get injured or he'd go on a streak of blanks. So mm. I think it's more testament to how he's come on as a player this season, uh, more than anything. But yeah, Bournemouth... I don't know. Is there anywhere else you'd look in Bournemouth, uh, Bournemouth's team right now? How, how do you feel about them generally? If you have a Bournemouth player in your team currently, hmm. you might as well stick with them at least through the next like two, three fixtures. Yeah. Uh, not, well, at least through the next two with Wolves and Brighton. But I think after that, depending on 
Wilson and depending on how the next two fixtures go, I might consider switching them out. Yeah. Because they've chances are, if you have them in your team now, you've had quite a good run with whoever you have. Hmm. And it just might be time to move on. And it is quite easy to keep them around because they don't really cost a lot of money. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay, moving on to Chelsea, who had a really good weekend. I mean, it wasn't so long ago people were talking about Man City being invincibles for the entire season. And then Chelsea, who have looked terrible in the last few weeks, went and beat them 2-0. Mm. Uh, yeah, this was a strange game. And I only got to see the first half in full. Uh, because I had to go out for the second half. And I was very surprised to hear that Man City didn't really change their style of play or or change their approach at half-time. Because to me, it seemed, watching them, like they were really good at keeping the ball, but they never really threatened Chelsea's goal. And Chelsea were defending really well. They were not giving them too much space. In particular, there was a moment when Sane broke through on goal Um and David Luiz just, just kind of blocked blocked him from having a shot. But, yeah, I felt the whole time like City were playing with a little bit of arrogance uh, and trying too much to score the perfect goal and not really getting any shots away. Uh, I think in the match as well, it popped up on screen that Man City only had one shot for the entire game. And that was when you started to think, OK, like, surely they have to have to be a bit more direct or do something here. Uh, Chelsea, on the other hand, kept a clean sheet, I think for the first time in, what, three, three, four games. And yeah, just looked like they had the perfect game plan. And they come into a nice little run, facing Brighton and Hove Albion away, uh, Leicester at home, Watford away, Crystal Palace away, and Southampton at home. How do we feel about Chelsea? I mean, I got rid of Hazard a number of weeks ago. Mm. He got two assists, still hasn't scored since October, but... Two assists you take any day. Uh, he didn't get any bonus points, though, because they all went to David Luiz and, and the defence. I feel a little bit like Hazard is still not the best option in that price range. Uh, obviously, I had Sterling playing instead this week, and he only got two points. But, yeah, I'm not really convinced by what I've seen still. How, how do you feel? I'm a bit nervous as Chelsea come into this good run of fixtures Yeah, that I don't have any Chelsea players um, but also I thought about this and I was like well I'd have Hazard and I'd maybe think about David Luiz despite the fact that I hate him hmm. um, but those are the only two players that I'd pick and I don't really want either of them that much obviously <laughs> i just got rid of hazard so it'd be silly to buy him straight back like i'm not about mm. that um so yeah it's tough because i don't really know where to go yeah in the team it's interesting that there has been a mass exodus of hazard as well i think he dropped to 10.9 million yesterday so he's sort of going back to his initial price of 10.5 uh personally yeah i I feel like the odds you have of someone like Raheem Sterling absolutely going off. I mean, it's fair to note that City also have a nice run of games. Uh, they come up against Everton next, which, you know, maybe you'd say is a bit of a tough game, but they have just lost to Chelsea. So I'd expect them to come out all guns blazing. Well, that's kind of what I thought after the midweek with Watford, where they were average. Yeah. I thought, well, at least Pep will give them all a flick on the forehead and make them get hype for the weekend mm. but apparently he didn't flick him hard enough well i found it quite interesting that in the post-match interview he seemed very pleased with the performance as well what he's he's very complimentary about how they played and okay he was just saying that he was so proud of his team and they played i, I can't remember his exact words but it sounded like he was praising them for playing the perfect game and creating a lot of chances and that isn't really what I saw from the match. Is he it... okay? <laughs> I, I do wonder if there's a little bit of pep where he deliberately says the opposite of what people expect him to in the post-match. Because he often says that the team played really badly when they win 4 or 5 nil as well. So right. maybe we should take what he says with a pinch of salt. Uh, but yeah, Everton at home next, Crystal Palace at home after that, Leicester away, Southampton away, and then Liverpool at home, which if Liverpool keep winning... 
that could be a very significant game in the title race. I would still say Man City are the place you should be looking at, although I am questioning their defence a little bit because Chelsea showed quite clearly that if you actually make City defend, if you can break past their press, they're really bad. Like, no one knows what to do there. They're very disorganised. And it ended up being David Luiz playing that one long ball to Pedro. And all of a sudden, their entire team was taken out. And it was just a fairly simple cross from Hazard on the end of the move. There was this big open space. It, it seemed obvious someone should be covering that. Like, they had three players, uh, three or four players at the near post just standing there, like, marking the same player. And they didn't do it. And, and Golo Kante, of all people, scored a, a pretty... Pretty brilliant finish, actually. <laughs> I found that quite funny, actually, because we were speaking yesterday, uh, not yesterday, uh, speaking after the midweek games about Torreira being a little bit of a, a Conte, and both of them scored this week. So, yeah, I I feel the same as you uh, with Hazard and not really knowing where to go. I think David Luiz, him and Rudiger are the two that I'd probably look at just because of their price. How much is David Luiz? Uh, I think he's 5.5. He might have gone up a little bit. Yeah. 5.6, which is all right, to be fair. I'd think about Laporte to David Luiz, hmm. like just for a little bit. I'm kind of bored of Laporte and I haven't even had him for like four weeks. Well, he has, they have been dropping a, a goal a game quite consistently. At first it seemed to be all down to Edison and now hmm. it's now it's just bad defending. So... I am wondering, I mean, I've got a lot of money invested in Laporte, and if I could get someone a bit cheaper, although I'm not sure I trust Chelsea quite yet. But I do think if you're going to get a defender, like Alonso is obviously the standout pick that so many people have. I would maybe even consider, if you need some extra money, just downgrading, because Alonso hasn't looked good. And yeah, you're going to get the clean sheets in these sort of like next four or five fixtures. There's a lot of potential there. It could be a good move to make. And yeah, I wouldn't be massively against it. I don't think Alonso looks anywhere near as much of a threat as he did. Mm, it is worth saying that David Luiz didn't play in the midweek though. Oh, did he not? No. Um, he's played the 90 in every other game this... So maybe mm. that was his rest, to be fair. Yeah. He's played the 90 in every other match this in the Premier League this season. It would seem so. He's definitely a first-choice centre-back in that team. And, yeah, he did a lot of good in this game. Um, Man City, I wouldn't... I'm not too worried about them, are you? A little bit. I don't know if it's... Is is this problem, like, because Aguero isn't around? And I know Aguero hasn't been up to much recently. But is it just, like, a nice little comfort blanket knowing (laughs) that he's on the pitch for them? Like, is that the problem here? They do miss him, for sure. And I don't necessarily think it's the the goals that he scores that they miss. I think it's just his ability to play the position. Mm. Uh, Because actually this reminds me of something I thought while watching the first half yesterday. They had Mahrez, Sterling and Sane as the front three. And all of those players are dribblers. All of them want to pick up the ball and run with it. And that's kind of their game. Sterling is maybe the only one that seems to do a lot... um, I I don't know, maybe maybe Sane as well, arguably. Like, they both try to get in position for those easy tap-ins. But I did feel like they had three of sort of the same player there, and none of them really plays the number nine role, the striker role, very well. Sterling's played there before. Uh, he's done it in the Champions League, and he's done it in the... I think he did it in the Carabao Cup last year, maybe the FA Cup, can't remember which one. And he's never really shone there. And I wonder if the fact that they didn't have a natural central striker meant they were just playing a lot of sort of tippy-tappy, passy stuff without actually having someone there who wants to just take a shot. And mm-hmm. they did certainly miss out on that sort of like predatory instinct. It's one of the reasons I was surprised Gabriel Jesus didn't start. Uh, but from what I hear, he didn't really improve them too much when he came on. Yeah, I think Mares is my problem with this team. Like... If he wasn't around, they could all just do their own thing. Like, Jesus <laughs> could be in, Sane could be over here, Sterling could be over there, the Silvers could be up the middle, yeah. you know? Whereas Mahrez comes in and is just making everyone shuffle about, and I don't yeah. like it. I'd like, Mahrez, go to Spain or something. 
Yeah, I think that's the big thing. Like the fact that he played instead of Jesus, it meant that Sterling ended up playing central, and Sterling's effectiveness seems to be blunted a little bit when he plays in that role. But yeah, it, going forward, like I wouldn't have too much worry about the likes of Sterling getting goals. I think it's just in those big games in particular, you really see how much it sort of blunts their, their attacking threat. So I wouldn't be surprised if um, one of Sane or Mares, or maybe even Sterling, does get dropped for the next game against Everton, mm. uh, just to give you know an actual striker a run out in that central position. Uh, Mitrovic versus Komara has emerged as a new, I wouldn't say a debate, mm. but he has taken away some minutes from Mitrovic, our little uh, 4.3 maestro. Uh, so two goals in the last two games, and one of them admittedly was a penalty, and one of yeah. them was midweek when there was a lot of rotation. So I do, I do hesitate to read too much into Kamara being a first choice striker, but he does seem to be getting more minutes than when uh, old matey boy, whose name I've forgotten already. Uh, you can oh, I never, I never learned manager. that man's name. I literally never learned it. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to need to know for very long. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think midweek Mitrovic and Kamara started together. Yeah. Um, at yesterday, uh, Mitrovic was subbed at half time and Kamara came on. Hmm. And I was just worried that, oh no, this is Mitrovic's end. This is his time to leave. <laughs> this is it. He's dropped forever. Um, but the more I think about it, the more I'm like, no, Ranieri is so hyped for Mitrovic. There's no way that he's suddenly not a starter. Yeah, but it is something that I'm a little conscious about because obviously Kamara did get the goal in midweek, and then managed to get himself a penalty, and then score the penalty yesterday. Hmm. Yeah, I'd say the likelihood is that they'll probably both play together quite a lot. Um, from what I remember, like Ranieri is quite a fan of the the four four two. So we could see, like, back in his, his Leicester days, we saw a lot of, like, Okazaki and Vardy up front. Mm-hmm. I think he may favour that, particularly in what I would say are the easier games. Right. Uh, maybe, you know, against teams like they have West Ham at home up next. That's certainly the sort of game I think he'd want to have two strikers to get at that potentially vulnerable West Ham defence. Yeah. I mean, the thing about Fulham's next few fixtures is that in the, out of the next four, three of them are at home. Yeah. And obviously they play markedly better at home than they do away. Yeah. And I'm just nervous about missing out on any points by not having whoever starts in those games because this is where they pick up points. Yeah. Like, this is where Ranieri's like, right, sit down, do well, else I'm going to kill your families. <laughs> like, this is where that happens. Yeah, um, no, I agree. Uh, so I, I'm I'm looking very forward to these fixtures as long as I have the right man in place to play in them. Yeah, so I'd say I wouldn't worry too much about Mitrovic, uh, his, his playing time at all. I think with Man United, it was a bit of a unique scenario. Like, Man United came flying out the blocks, they scored three goals, and Fulham just had a really, really poor first half. Uh, I think the second half, Ranieri tried to mess about with, with his tactics and just get them a bit more tight defensively and mm-hmm. it did work because uh, Man United scored one goal in the second half and it was a bit of a, a belter of a long shot from Rashford so yeah I wouldn't have too many worries but I do think this does make Kamara a very interesting option considering he's 4.3 now yeah that must put him as a, the cheapest or one of the cheaper strikers in the game and if he's getting minutes he could be a very very valuable uh, facilitator for whatever move you want to make. Mm-hmm. I'm not going for Fulham myself, but I do think if there's someone you're looking at that you need to free up some cash for, I'd maybe wait out the next game week and just see what Ranieri does. But I think that could be a, a very shrewd move to make for sure. And I thought, yeah, Fulham did, they did a lot better in the second half. I'd be hoping to see some more defensive solidity in the coming weeks. Because it kind of looks like they haven't improved much on that side of things under Ranieri. And that, that has to be a focus. Uh, West Ham Attack, the the next team they're playing, on the other hand, they seem to be having a bit of a belter as well. So Snodgrass scored a, a banging long shot. Uh, he seems to be a very 
a viable option at 5.3. He's quite an attacking midfielder. He started the last three games. He's got a goal and three assists. I would personally look more towards the likes of Felipe Anderson. A bit more expensive at 7.2. But he is just looking like a, an amazing signing for West Ham. And he's kind of picking up the slack where Arnautovic is out now. He's, uh, yeah, he's getting the goals that they need. Yeah, in midfield, I'd definitely look towards Felipe Anderson. But, like, if... So, my kind of stance this week is... Um, I can't remember, but I've written it at the top, so if you just give me one second to scroll. <laughs> um, is to start steering away from template teams that everyone else has. And also to prepare your squad um, for the Christmas run of fixtures so that you have... 15 man squad of players who actually are playing yeah and i think snodgrass at 5.3 is a really good like option to just slot in yeah if you do have like a midfielder who's like on and off or not having that much of a hype time with good with the good fixtures that west ham have over this period and snodgrass just currently being good yeah um i think he's a nice option but the ideal option is definitely felipe anderson in Midfield, that's where you'd want to go, if you can. Yeah, I mean, he's really one of three players that I'm looking at. Uh, I would have to... The only way I could get Felipe Anderson is by downgrading David Silva, which is not something I really want to do just yet, especially as City's fixtures are not bad at all. Mm. Uh, and they're, you know, we know their potential to absolutely go off in a game. But the idea of saving that 1.4 million and getting Felipe Anderson, who... You know, he's been a very, very consistent scorer in the last few weeks and often hitting double figures as well. It's a little bit tempting. Uh, but I'd also like to raise a mention for Chicharito up front. Me too, and I forgot to write it down, but I was just <laughs> looking for him. Yeah, he's 6.3. He's actually... Well, I say I was looking at Felipe Anderson, but I've actually kind of... Uh, I've done myself out of that doing that transfer now because I brought Chicharito in after the Newcastle game today. And I think for that uh, for Arnautovic, straight swap. Oh, okay, 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 okay. So I freed up some money mm-hmm. and yeah, he's 6.3. Very good price. I think he scored three goals in the last two games. Sounds about right. Yeah? Yeah, uh, three goals been... in the last three. Yeah. So he's been very, very good. I was a little bit tempted to look at Lucas Perez this week. I decided against it and I brought Bellerin in because I was just like... Do I really want to take the risk? I think Perez is injured now as well. Oh, is he? Yes. He came he off at half little, time. A little yellow. Uh, yeah. Foot injury. Right, okay. Because I wasn't sure if it was tactical and no. Pellegrini had just seen enough or, or what. He had a hurty foot. Yeah, okay. So it sounded like Carroll coming on sort of changed the game a bit for them anyway. But yeah, Felipe Anderson and, and Chicharito, they are the two standouts for me. And I think Chicharito... We looked at him at the start of the season, didn't we? And he seemed like a a great player to have in your team. And it didn't really didn't really work out for him at the start of the season, but mm. he really starts to be uh he really looks to be finding his feet in this team. Yeah. And I think with Felipe Anderson in it as well, they look like they could score a lot of goals. Also consider that they are playing Fulham next. It's away from home, but Fulham are still the leakiest defence in the league. I think they've conceded 40 goals now. So that's more goals than there are games in the league season. I think it's quite impressive, really. I think we should give Fulham credit where it's due. Yeah, just for being <laughs> really bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, but yeah, uh, regardless, I think West Ham, you know, you should definitely have at least one attacker or midfielder from that team. And those two look look brilliant. Another guy who looks brilliant is Son Heung Min. He scored mm. a goal, he assisted, finished the week on 14 points. And I think we spoke in the midweek, like, who is the, the go-to guy for Spurs? And the conclusion we reached was it's probably Son or Ali. And Son being the cheapest of, of the two kind of comes out on top. Uh, so he's at 8.4 at the moment. And they face Burnley next at home, which is arguably the best possible fixture you could have right now. Although Burnley did get a 1-0 win against Brighton, uh, but that was at Turf Moor. Uh, so he started the last four Premier League games and he's got three goals and two assists in that time. Are you tempted? Yeah, I just can't fit him in. Yeah. 
like there's just nowhere for him but yes I am like I'm worried about Chelsea and Spurs and not having any coverage yeah um I'd say I'm more worried about Spurs I think they stand a lot more chance of scoring multiple goals in a in a game I feel like Chelsea will kind of cap out at like one or two I don't think they're amazing in it because they don't have a striker really like Giroud, yeah, he is, but he they didn't even play a striker, did they, against City? They played Hazard uh, up front. Giroud did come on, I think. Yeah, but for the majority of the game, yeah. it was it was Hazard playing sort of target man. Yeah. Uh, I think Spurs, on the other hand, they, you know, they played Lucas Moura, but they brought Kane on. And I just think Son looks in, as he always seems to do around this Christmas period, he's just come into the form of his life again. So he's definitely the place I'd look. For me, it would have to be, again, David Silva would be the, the make-weight to get him in. But also, with Son, um, I assume he'll be off to whatever cup it is Asia yeah, is doing. Yeah, the Asian Cup, I think In it's January. Called. Yeah. Who knows what it is, but that's uh, yeah. a thing that's happening. So, like, my kind of argument was if you want to get him in, get him in now. now. Have him for these five fixtures until, like, the start of Jan. And then when he's off, you can bin him and get someone else back. Yeah, I 100% agree. Because I think what you'll see is Pochettino uh, will want to get the most out of him in that period. uh, Sorry, in this period, knowing that he's got to be without him for a month. It just makes perfect sense. It's like, well, I'm not going to rest him because I want to get as much as I can out of him now. And if if he maybe picks up... I'm not saying that he's hoping that he gets injured but he's like maybe if he picks up a little injury he won't have to go and then he can stay here with me so uh yeah Burnley at home next obviously if there's a game that you want to bring a player in for it's going to be Burnley at home so now is the perfect time if you have a way of doing it preferably without taking a minus four but it could even be a shout to take a minus four because he could I mean I wouldn't personally do it because it is a bit of a differential and it is a bit risky but you could certainly consider him as a captain in this fixture. And they, you know, they don't have bad fixtures after that either with Everton away, Bournemouth at home, Wolves at home and Cardiff away. Uh, another another little, well, I was going to say cheapy. He's, Son is not cheap, but Torreira certainly is. And he's the other player I brought in this week. Five million now. Did you? Yeah. When? Uh, sorry, Before or after I brought him in week? just just now, like... A couple of hours ago. So you've just done two transfers for next yeah. game week already? Yeah. Uh, I needed to do it immediately for Torreira because I wanted to get him before he rises and the Hudson-Odoi problem has been solved. <gasps> it's it's amazing. It feels so good. He, I, I mean, I said earlier, we spoke about him in the midweek podcast and I remember saying that I don't think he's going to be like a 10-goal-a-season sort of player. But at this rate... It looks like he's going to get 15 because he just keeps scoring and he keeps finding himself in attacking positions. I think for the majority of this game, he actually played sort of behind the striker. And yeah, he looks increasingly like a threat. And at 5 million with the the fixtures that Arsenal have coming up, I think he's possibly the best sort of cheap midfield option around. Two goals and assist in the last three games and... To my mind, he plays every game when he's fit. Or what are your thoughts on little Torreira? You don't think Torreira will be rested at any point over the Christmas? That's kind of my worry, and it's I guess it's kind of a stupid question because we're at a point where we can expect everyone to kind of be rested for maybe one game. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I'm particularly worried about Torreira being <laughs> rested. I don't know. I just thought maybe you'd know. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, it is so hard to say. Uh, I think the the thing with Arsenal, I think he's likely to be rested for the cup games. And you'll see Guendouzi will reprise his role for those those sorts of games. I think Torreira for the Premier League, he's going to start every game. Right. Um, I also think the, the matter of fact is you need a cheap player who can come in when someone you don't expect to be rested is rested. And I'm yeah. looking at guys like Raheem Sterling. And mm-hmm. I think Arsenal fit this bill perfectly just because of the quality of the fixtures they have and the fact that he just seems to be the sort of player that he gets like little kicks in the game and he goes down, but he never seems to actually get a proper injury. And I just get the impression he's quite a robust sort of strong player. 
And that's going to be something that really works in your favour. Add to that that he seems to be more attacking than the likes of an N'Golo Kante. And I think you just have a, a recipe for success. So I think this is one of the top players that should be on your radar, particularly if you need to free up some money for a bigger move somewhere else. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really quite a fan. I would say, though, uh, may as well mention Aubameyang. He only got five points this week, got an assist, missed a couple of big chances as well. Yeah. And I think you could say the same about Lacazette. Yeah. He was a little bit unlucky to come off. Um, I think he had a goal wrongfully disallowed in the first mm. half because he was offside, but it was quite clear that the Huddersfield player passed it back. And that, I mean, if I don't know if anyone remembers this far back, but last year there was a very similar situation in the Liverpool Spurs game where it all went absolutely crazy. Harry Kane won a penalty uh, and it was it was nowhere near as clear cut as this as well. I think it oh, was... Oh, I remember. I can't remember and who everyone, it And on. the linesman and the referee had like a chat for like 10 yeah. minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it was the worst. That game was so stupid. Yeah. So what happened was someone played the ball forwards and Kane was offside, but Lovren just stuck his leg out and got like a bit on it, but didn't clear it. It went through to Harry Kane and then Harry Kane was like fouled or whatever or I think he was fouled by the keeper and the argument from Liverpool was he was offside and the argument for the referee was well actually Lovren played the ball therefore he can't be offside and that is the situation we had here Lacazette was offside when the ball was played but then the Huddersfield defender just screwed up his pass back so he shouldn't I mean again it's another situation where VAR would have solved that and Mm. the goal would have stood and Lacazette especially owners of Lacazette, are very unlucky because I know a lot of them captained him this week as well. And they saw him get one point because he was taken yeah. off at half time. But I do think that's why Aubameyang is the guy you should have and not Lacazette because at the moment, it looks like Emery has decided on who his main striker is. And he will try to play both of them together at times. But I think if there's one of them that's going to come off, it's going to be Lacazette because Aubameyang has started to prove his worth and really nail down that position. Um, Yeah, he's a little bit unlucky. He should have really scored a goal in this game, but he did get the assist in the end for Torreira. And, you know, the fixtures are good. I'd just be a little bit worried about captaining him this week because of Southampton's new manager. But we'll come on to that a bit later when we do the preview. Uh, So Man United, we spoke about their performance against Fulham. Rashford at 6.8. Seems like a brilliant price. Uh, Lukaku seems a little bit out of favour. I don't know if I'd risk it, especially when they're playing Liverpool away next. But they do have some nice fixtures after that with Cardiff away, Huddersfield at home, Bournemouth at home and Newcastle away. How do you feel about our little boy Rashford? I like the look of him and the post-Liverpool fixtures a lot. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, there are all these, like six to seven million strikers that have just appeared out of nowhere. Yeah. I guess I would be worried about Rashford's playing time, but he's um, started every game bar two since game week eight. And even in those two that he didn't start, he still played at least 30 minutes. Yeah. And then over the last three Premier League fixtures, he scored one goal and had four assists, which is quite nice for someone at 6.8 and in a Manchester United team who haven't been particularly amazing yeah um I don't know I think it's I think it's all right yeah I, c- I certainly think that's an interesting and it's a, like a niche option as well like people aren't out here being like oh I'm gonna get Rashford in so if you like a differential which I think we should I think at this point in the season just pile up on the differentials because YOLO <laughs> you've actually got nothing to lose have you really Right now, oh, quite. nothing to lose. Uh, 6.5% owned. Yeah, he's a, a proper differential in a big team. And he seems to be the key man at the moment. Obviously, a lot of people jumped for Martial. And he's got a little injury at the moment. And it looks like now, especially if if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we were speaking about Martial and being like, now is not the time he's had his run of good form. It's probably going to end. Now Rashford's emerged and... I think he's actually a little bit cheaper than Martial. Admittedly, he is a forward, so he'll get fewer points for goals, but more likely to be in the bonus. I still have questions about that Man United attack, but especially if you're if you're a fan, if you're a Man United fan, this is quite an easy move to make. And uh, 
yeah, they are they are showing a response. Rashford in particular is showing a response. I think that's a, a powerful differential, much like Salomon Rondon, who mm. got an assist again today, was unlucky not to score. Uh, he took a free kick that hit the crossbar and it was... I mean, in general, Newcastle were unlucky today because Iosi Perez is another player on a shout-out. He scored and he got the three bonus points. He seems to be playing more of a sort of winger role in this Newcastle team, but they do have what I would call some pretty good fixtures in the next sort of five or six uh, worth noting they do play Liverpool and Man U in that time as well, but they also play Huddersfield, Fulham, Watford, and what was the sixth one? Uh, Newcastle. Oh, it's Chelsea after that. That's not so good. <laughs> yeah. Well, my argument for Rondon is for the next two game weeks, Huddersfield away and Fulham at home. Yeah. There seems no better option yeah really. if you're looking for a quick striker fix so for example i have i'm still clinging on to ings who i think might drop in price tonight or tomorrow night yeah um if i didn't have a bit of a defensive issue um i.e if the op wasn't terrible uh i would make the move from ings to rondon immediately yeah it's even just for the next two fixtures um because i think it's i genuinely think it's worth it yeah um that's my situation yeah no uh, 5.8 is a great price for for rondon as well i think that's kind of the like i'm looking to to solve some problems uh i have jimenez who you know he's still been he's been on good form but i don't really want him anymore because i think wolves's fixtures coming up aren't amazing uh they have Bournemouth, Liverpool, Fulham, Tottenham, Palace and City. So obviously there's sort of like two or three there that you'd be okay about. But considering they're a team that doesn't score much, I guess you could also level a similar criticism for Newcastle. But I feel like Rondon and Perez look to be improving uh, and Newcastle look to be improving. And they were very unlucky to lose the game today because uh, particularly the last goal, the the winner right i think it was a 94th minute yeah uh, willy bolly full-on elbowed iuzi perez in the face and it should have been a penalty to newcastle instead wolves go down the other end and matt doherty scores and i'm left head in hands like how how did that happen like it was one of those it was like a it looked deliberate as well it wasn't like he jumped with his arm it was like he pushed his arm back into perez's face and you have to feel for them there because you know, Rafa Benitez, he's saying we need VAR. And he's kind of right in that situation because that could have been a goal. That could have been a penalty for for Newcastle. And you could have been looking at Ayuse Perez getting his second goal of the game. Um, or, I don't know, don't really know who takes penalties for Newcastle. It might have been Matt Ritchie. But that was a big moment for them. Uh, but yeah, I, I think he's a very good option. Uh, I think he's been very consistent of late. And uh, Cardiff are also a team that I would say have looked pretty shockingly consistent they won again at the weekend and kept a clean sheet and uh yeah we were singing the praises of Bamba last week he hadn't seen the points returns in recent weeks but he got a clean sheet and he got all three bonus points so I'm starting to think is there a way I can get these Cardiff guys in because I always find it hard to to judge whether they have a good or bad fixture but they do play Southampton uh, sorry they do play Watford Palace Leicester and Huddersfield in the next six so that's that's pretty encouraging. Yeah, I am very hype for getting Cardiff players, like slotting Cardiff players in where you have players who maybe aren't starting or aren't um, or are injured or whatever for this Christmas period. Like yeah. even if like the fixtures aren't that good, like players where you can kind of guarantee they're going to get two points is for, for a cheap price is where I'm at. Um, I bought Patterson in uh before the before the midweek game whoops and just as a i don't know i like the sound of this man he might be <laughs> all right and it was kind of a rash decision but i just did it uh and in the midweek obviously he didn't i don't think i played him yeah uh or maybe he came in off my bench i think he did two, yeah yeah there's a two point and i was like oh i'm not mad paid like five million for this man i'm not angry about Two points. Yeah. And then this week, Vestergaard fucking running around doing God knows what. Like, <laughs> I was going to mention. Able, not being able to kick a ball. 
glory, glory to Patterson. Went in and just put the ball in the back of the net and uh, poor McCarthy just didn't know what hit him. Oh, it was so amazing. (laughs) That was was... my favourite goal of the week. Do you reckon? Yeah. I I mean, Felipe Anderson's shot where it started like five yards outside of the the, the goal and then bent back in was amazing, you know, for for one reason. Uh But... Seeing Vestergaard fall over on a routine situation, <laughs> give yeah. the ball to Patterson, and then Patterson looking like uh, he was so unathletic in the way he put the ball in. It was just like a kid kicking the ball. He didn't strike it properly, but he just yeah. got it right in the spot you needed to to beat the keeper, and it slowly yeah. rolled over the line. That was a very Cardiff goal, and I loved every moment of it. <laughs> and yeah, I think they are a great a great budget sort of facilitator team who we're really starting to see that they have the mentality and I would have never seen it coming, but they make the the games that they play really hard for the opposition. And yeah, Bamba, also Morrison at 4.7. He should have really had a goal from, uh, I think it was a cross and he just headed it like massively wide, but he also looks like a threat on, on set pieces. So I definitely think over this period, like, they're a, a good team to look at. And I'm genuinely considering dropping Laporte down to a Cardiff defender just so I have a little bit more money for, for the other areas of my team. That's quite insane. I don't know if you should do that. Well, but at the end of the day, if if Laporte is going to keep conceding a goal a game and I'm getting two points from him, I've already got like 0.3 million uh, profit on him. If I could cash that in, get a guy like Bamba who might score the odd goal. I've got some really good rotation options for my defence because I've already got Robertson and uh, who's my other guy? I've got Robertson and Bellerin. So those right. are like my two my two Expensive other premiums. Ones. Yeah. And I like Arsenal's fixtures and I also like Bellerin's uh, Bellerin and Kolasinac, both players that have great potential in terms of assists and, and goals. Whereas Laporte if I'm not getting the, the six points I expect from him, I kind of don't mind like dropping to a cheaper guy and just playing just playing my Cardiff guy when he has a good fixture. And, and you're going to keep Diop? Uh, yeah, I, I think... Because that's, like, that's the move I've, I've decided I have to make this week because yeah. I have to get rid of Diop because I can't get rid of uh, Ings and get another strike on because then I am stuck playing Diop. Yeah. And then even if um, someone else in my team doesn't play... And one Basaka came comes in. I'm still stuck playing the off. Yeah, yeah. I I kind of feel like West Ham. Obviously, the the midweek in particular was crazy. Like the 95th minute concession. Mm. Um, I th- I thought that they were guaranteed a clean sheet against Palace. I was not surprised that both of Palace's goals came from set pieces because, you know, that's what Palace do. They can only score from set pieces. Uh, yeah, I kind of felt like they were a little bit unlucky overall. I'm going to stick with Diop. I think there's going to come a time where he looks really good and he's a, a very good option. I also like that he's 4.3. Um, they're just not doing it at the moment, but I'm keeping the faith. Although I, yeah, I wouldn't be mad if you were wanting to get rid of him because I, I can see why. Like he's not delivering the returns at the moment. Obviously picked up a booking this week. There's a little bit of a question mark there. Uh, but yeah, I, for me, I'm kind of happy to to stick with him. And I do feel like he's going to pop up with a goal at some point soon. Uh, okay, you wanted to do a quick little yellow card corner for people. Let them know yeah. who's on four yellow cards, who's about to be banned, and who has been banned. Yeah, it's all a bit awkward um, because it is. Um, but currently banned, we've got the likes of Shane Duffy. Zaha picked up his fifth yellow card. Absolutely nobody is shocked. Um Socrates, Mustafi, both out for the next game week. Um, I think Tomkins is out for the next game week also. Then on four yellow cards, Mar- uh, Mitrovic still hanging on with his four yellows. So he's <laughs> looking for a nice little Christmas Day, Boxing Day off, isn't he? That's yep. 100% his plan. Yep. Uh, Murata has four, who knew? How? I don't know when that happened. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Milivojevic on four and Loton on four as well. Those are the kind of all yeah. the hype ones. Zabletta also on four. I don't know if that's somewhere anyone 
is worried about. Yeah, probably not. But just not. in case you were. Cool. Uh, quick look at our league, the Denalysis Domestic, which you can join. It's on our Twitter, mm. at the People Denalysis. are still joining. That's nice, isn't it? We've got someone new in after the, uh, after the doodars this week. Top scorer this week so far, but they're probably going to have won it. Because they still have Richarlison to go. Yes. On 89 points is Aranav Sama. So shout out to you. Let me guess. Salah captain. It's true. It's true. But it's interesting because it's not like 89 points sounds like quite a lot. But really, this man, just Salah captain. (laughs) David Luiz, Robertson, Alisson, then Aubameyang's five and Kamara coming in for Wilson on five as well. Yeah. But still got Laporte, Wambasaka, Sane... Uh, with one point and Sterling with two points. So yeah. it's, it's funny how numbers add up, isn't it? Yeah, that's the value of having a good captain, isn't it? Like, if you get the right captain, that yeah. sets you in such good stead. Pretty and, much. Uh, yeah, there were some strange sort of one and two pointers this week. So congrats anyway, Aranav. Oh, he's in every single... All the leagues. Podcast league, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good lads. Good that's lads. That's funny. That's funny. All right. While we have time, let's do a little Game Week 17 preview, baby. What have we got on the list? We start the Game Week with a 12.30 kickoff, and it's Man City versus Everton at the Etihad Stadium. This is annoying because I'd preliminarily captained Sterling, and now I've seen this as a 12.30 kickoff, I am not so sure I want to do that. Um, Yeah... What what do? What do we do here? I don't know. Obviously don't captain. And I know I said that about Liverpool and Salah. Well, it's it's kind of like a... Uh, it's a psychological thing. Because you don't want to captain the first... Uh, a player in the first game of the week. And then have the anxiety of having to watch every other game. Every single game. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah when yeah. you get two points or something and you have to watch every single game and you're thinking, oh, I knew I should have captained this other yeah. guy. That's that's kind of the issue. And yeah, I moved it from Aubameyang to Sterling and I'm probably going to move it right back now. Uh, we got a bunch of three o'clocks and it's pretty much mid-table teams against each other apart from Spurs against Burnley which we spoke about earlier as being one of the sort of standout fixtures in terms of captaincy options and also a great time to bring in Son. Depending on what happens in the Champions League, like Son could be quite a good captain Yeah, for this fixture. I definitely think or so. Or Kane, yeah. I guess. Um, but yeah, I think that's quite a good, a good one. And I think maybe captaining a Spurs player might get lost in the options. Yeah. And I don't know if many people will think about it. Apart from like an obvious, like, oh, I'll just stick it on Kane. Yeah. But if you want a captain son, I think it might be quite a, an exciting pick. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I would argue that Man City and Spurs are the only top teams who are at home with a good fixture. So obviously Liverpool are at home, but they play Man United. And I think Kane will come back in for this game because mm-hmm. they play on Tuesday in the Champions League. That was why their game was 7.45 on Saturday. And that gives them, what, three three days rest. Uh, it's probably enough enough time for Kane to get back in the team. And then the next games are not until a full week later. So yeah. you're kind of fine there. Uh, yeah, we have Crystal Palace versus Leicester. I mean, I think Leicester should be able to get a win from that because I am very worried for Palace. I think they look awful every game they play. Even though they scored two goals against West Ham, I don't think West Ham ever really looked in danger. Um, Huddersfield play Newcastle. I did strongly consider uh, going for Rondon and not Chicharito to leave the option open for me to get Felipe Anderson. But I was very impressed with Huddersfield and I have been very impressed with Huddersfield in the past few weeks. Uh, They seem to get their tactics right in most games. It's worth mentioning a little stat I saw they committed more fouls in the first half against Arsenal than any other Premier League team in the full 90 minutes this weekend. That's quite fun. So that, that kind of tells you how they tried to play. I think they took a leaf out of Man United's book there and they yeah, they just disrupted the play by persistently fouling. Uh, I think the game against Newcastle would be slightly different. But yeah, I think this, this is certainly an opportunity for them at home as well. Uh, it's tough to call, really. 
But yeah, this could go either way. But you would have to say if you have Rondon already, if you have a Newcastle attacker, it's a potentially profitable game for them. Uh, Spurs Burnley, we already spoke about. Watford Cardiff, also three o'clock. Like, is this time for Watford to do something? I think my perception of Watford will be heavily coloured by how they do against Everton tomorrow because Everton is the sort of team they should be competing with. Mm -hmm. And I am kind of predicting that Watford end up getting like a a sneaky little win and we see Richarlison and Sigurdsson finish the night on one and two points. But also on paper, I think Everton should be winning that when you look at the way that Watford have played. Uh, so that's got to colour my perception a lot. But as we said, Cardiff, they continue to improve. I actually thought they looked really quite free-flowing and quite attacking in the, the highlights for the game against whoever it was they played, Southampton. Yeah, I thought they looked really, really quite good. And uh, they created a number of chances. And yeah, I'm I'm genuinely quite impressed with them. They're not just a sort of lump it to the forwards team after all. Who Who yeah. knew? Uh, and then Wolves play Bournemouth also. And this is one I can't call. I want this to be a goal fest. I want this to be so many goals. Yeah, one one of the things they mentioned quite a lot uh, on the coverage of their game against Newcastle today was that Wolves haven't won a game by more than a one-goal margin all season. And That's interesting. That seems to be a problem for them, that they just don't score a lot of goals. And it was the first time they'd scored two goals away from home. So... Uh, that appears to be a problem for them, goal scoring. But Bournemouth seem to concede a lot as well. So I find it quite hard to call. I think that Wolves are the home team. That gives them a little bit more impetus. But it will be interesting to see because these are two teams who like to sit back and like to counter the other. So mm. it'll be interesting to see who kind of takes the lead in trying to trying to force the issue. And I think we might end up seeing Bournemouth being that team and they might get cut open a few times because of it and uh, then we've got 5 30 kickoff and that is fulham against west ham fulham at home this isn't it yeah it is a bit weird but it's obviously to set the scene for the the big super sunday with four of the the top sort of teams in the country playing gotcha uh yeah this i, I think west ham should win this obviously we spoke about fulham's defense not really improving uh certainly not improving in terms of the goals they're conceding uh, this will be a good test for them because West Ham haven't been amazingly good when it comes to keeping the ball out of their net, but they're quite good at scoring in the oppositions. So I'd fancy another West Ham win here. Uh, I wouldn't really go for a captaincy option in this game, although it could be an interesting outside shout considering that Fulham have been conceding so many goals. But yeah, personally, don't think I'd risk it. You got any love for Philippe Anderson here? Would you? Would you maybe go there? No, I've noticed that he um, he blanks every other week, so he should blank in this fixture, uh, and I don't want to risk it. Uh, and then we move on to Sunday, where there's three games. Brighton play Chelsea at home. Obviously, Brighton coming off the back of a disappointing 1-0 loss to Burnley. Uh, but this one's at home, so Who knows? it's a different Brighton, huh? Yeah. I would find this one tough to call as well. I mean, are you looking to play any... Any Brighton players? You've got just no. Dunk, right? Yep, yeah. on the bench. No, he is third on the... Well, he's second on the bench, but only because Ings is deceased. How about um, Glenn Murray? If you... I know you don't own him, but... Oh, yeah, you... I'd give him a... I'd give him a go. If uh, if I didn't have any other players with, like... That looked to have better fixtures... Yeah. I'd definitely stick Murray in. And I reckon he should hopefully be fit enough to start. Yeah. Um, that was the only reason he didn't start this week, I understand, is yeah. because he had whatever injury he had from the other game. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd stick him on, because why not? Yeah, you have to think there's there's got to be a chance there. I mean, I know Chelsea did very well against City. Maybe they'll take their foot off the gas a little bit playing against Brighton. I don't know. It could be the case, but Murray is certainly the kind of player with the guile to find find himself scoring a goal. Uh, Southampton also play Arsenal at the same time and I wanted to have a brief chat about this one because I'm very worried about this new manager Hasenhutl because I think he's actually a very good manager and this is what's making me worry about the Aubameyang captain 
if we think about the the game at the weekend when they played uh I've cardiff. forgotten again cardiff and they lost one nil <laughs> obviously yeah. it came from a horrifying defensive mistake from vestergaard and i really think that guy needs to be dropped because every time he plays he does this he does something um and he just doesn't seem to be be with it but considering he had only had 48 hours with his team there and he's going to have had a full week with his team and they have obviously that match to look at and to analyze and to figure out where they went wrong i think we're going to start to see a very different southampton in the coming weeks and i was also quite scared by a comment they uh that they made this quote on match of the day where he said my training methods are going to be mind-blowing to this team <laughs> Yeah. And I was like, holy crap, no, no, why isn't Mark Hughes still here? I, yeah. I'm so annoyed. Um, do you think Ings will come back into this side, like, as a starting man when he's fit? I think he will, yeah. Because that's currently my kind of worry, is like, well, if I do hang on to Ings, I'm going to get to a point where he's lost so much value that I can't really get anyone else for him. Yeah. Or, like, anyone else worth having for him. Yeah. So my only concern is, will he start, start, as soon as he's fit, will he be starting? I think he will, because if you look at the other options, I don't think Charlie Austin is, is good. I don't think Gabbiadini is good. Uh, Long is awful. The only one I'd maybe be a bit worried about is Obafemi, because he mm. is young and he is, you know, a young, hungry player. Uh, but I do think, you know, we're seeing this trend of lots of managers who who have coached in Germany coming over to England and they just seem to be they seem to be really really good managers i mean the style of play is quite similar in germany and they seem to have you know much more advanced uh, methods compared to the english coaches we have and i think we're going to see a very different southampton in the coming weeks and maybe uh maybe some options will start emerging because a lot of their assets have gone They've dropped down in price a fair bit, and you've got guys like Valerie who started at, at right back and costs only four million. And oh, and Bednarek as well. You Bednarek, who's three point nine, and he started the game. And I, I mean, I do think that was because Cedric and Bertrand were out injured. But yeah, they definitely seem to be a, a team that you should be keeping out, keeping an eye on. In the whole Southampton squad, Elianusi is the most expensive at six point one. Yeah, which is like a complete anomaly. Because the most expensive next is Gabbiadini at 5.6. Yeah. All defenders between 4 and 4.8. Yeah. And then all attacking players between 4.8 and... Or not even. Like, Oriol Romeo is at 4.3. Yeah. And like then the most is 5.6, apart from Elianusi at 6.1. Like, that's yeah. mad. Southampton are genuinely the most FPL team right now. Like... If if he can make the changes that I think he can, they're gonna be the ones that you get in to fund like other big moves in your team, and they mm. could end up being amazing. And I think Al Yunusi is actually a really him and Armstrong are both really interesting ones to watch because Armstrong at five point one, he still looks like a threat. He looks like a really good player, and El Yunusi is a player who's come from the I think it was the Swiss league, uh, came from FC Basel, and. He doesn't seem to have adapted yet, but I think with a a more forward-thinking, progressive manager, we might end up seeing that he, he becomes a really good player and a really important player this season. Uh, but yeah, I, I'll probably still captain Aubameyang this week, but I just want to air a little word of caution. Like, this isn't Mark Hughes' Southampton anymore. This is Southampton with a good manager who's had a full week with his team to get his ideas across, and I am worried... Uh, and then the late kickoff is Liverpool versus Man United, which looks like it has the potential to be an amazing match. I'm a little bit tempted to maybe consider Salah, but we know how FPL works. It's always a top scorer. Uh, blanks the next week. So, yeah, maybe it's, it's one to avoid. Probably Liverpool will win this. I mean, they they have the lead in the league now. They have one point on City. They have to win it, really. Uh, how, how do you feel about this match? What do you think is going to happen? I don't really know. I'd I'd hope that Liverpool win, and I'd hope that Mourinho falls apart because yeah. that's the best thing about Man United. Um, but I don't know. How do you feel about playing your Liverpool like defenders, and how do you feel about the potential for captaincy in this match? Um, I think you with defenders, you kind of um, forced me to think earlier in the season 
when Liverpool played Man City hmm. to just play them because who knows what could happen. Yeah. So I guess with Robertson, uh, he has assist potential, so yeah. it's worth playing him. If I had like Van Dijk... I don't know if I'd be so keen. Yeah. I'd probably do it because the thought of benching him uh, makes me a bit nervous. Although I yeah. did say to you that I wanted to bench Laporte this weekend and it would have only made a difference of one point if I had. Um, but I did just get that feeling. What are we moving on to? <laughs> Clean sheet cup. Oh yeah, cool. Okay, I love this. This is my fave. Uh, I don't really know. I think it's quite tricky. I don't know if we'll see many clean sheets this week. I might go for a Huddersfield Newcastle nil nil. Okay, I like that. That's interesting. I know I have just told everyone to get Rondon in. I'm just gonna say Newcastle. Okay, okay, and I will go for against my own better judgment. I'm gonna say Arsenal. Uh, I've just brought Bella. You're not in. even gonna go for Spurs. Uh, no, because I just want to get the double celebration. You know, when I get like a Bellerin clean sheet in my team. And I get a clean sheet cut point. There is no better feeling, Natalie. Nothing okay. in the world. <laughs> okay. <sighs> that was that was fun. Okay. So I think that about wraps up everything for this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, if you wanna you wanna have a little chat with us, you can follow us on Twitter at the Denalysis. Uh, you can all also email us. I mean, we rarely check our emails. Who realistically sends emails these days? Just tweet us. It's much better. But if you do prefer the long form arts. Uh, you can email us at hello at the denalysis.com. Uh, and also you can rate and review us on iTunes. And that would be great because that helps us get out to more listeners. Uh, that justifies what we do at the end of the day. And uh, five stars would be much appreciated. You don't have to write a review, but it's always nice to, to know what our listeners think of the show. So if you have the time, please feel free to do so. I'm looking forward to game week 17. Are you, Natalie? Looking forward to being in the cup? Yes. It's going to be great. I can't wait to go out in the first round. Yep. Yep. That's probably what's going to happen. The I look at my team now did... and I think they're good, but I'm ready for a huge disappointment. We did so well in the cup last year. Yeah. There is no way we are making it anywhere near yeah. that far this year. Yeah. I think what will happen is you'll be able to see who you're matched up against um, probably on Tuesday uh, after the, the Monday fixture. So it's always good to kind of scope out the opposition, see what mm. what team you're coming up against. Because I think a lot of times last season, I looked at the team and I was like, oh, they haven't got Salah or they haven't got like a certain player that's got to be like really effective that week. And that's always quite exciting. But yeah, good luck to everyone in the cup. I hope you qualified because I saw a Reddit thread of, well, it was called FPL Cup Disappointment. And it was loads oh, of people no. who had just gotten rid of Salah for Harry Kane and they were on like 26 points and I was like oh god that's horrible that is so upsetting there's nothing worse nothing worse because it's such an exciting time of the season and you don't even have to do well like 4.2 million you've only got to be in the top 4.2 but anyway good luck to all those who have qualified I hope everyone who listens has because you know it's good fun livens it up a bit and we will see you or we will speak to you next week until then goodbye bye